imagine everybody saw the Supreme Court decision that came out on Friday, which basically overturned Roe versus Wade after 49 years. So that, and I'm guessing everybody knows that what that means is the decision on abortion laws and, and policies go back to the states. So the state legislatures can uh, decide for themselves, and there's not a, a federal imposition as to abortion and when it can happen and all of those and when it can happen which is, is quite a day of, of rejoicing, right? quite a day of thanksgiving that there is uh, how, many, how, how long this was in the making, 49 years coming to this. And as you look in the way the Lord works, and you look at his hand and his providence throughout history, it seems probably no coincidence that this happened on the feast day of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Friday, the, the Friday, like kind of two weeks after Pentecost, the church always celebrates the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And we have a beautiful stained glass uh, window over here depicting the Sacred Heart of Jesus being, reflect, being revealed to St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. And it also showed up on the front of our bulletin this week. And the idea of this devotion is that the Heart of Jesus is the image of his love. And we all know that hearts and love go hand in hand. But it's this Heart of Jesus that is poured out for us in love and has this intimate care for each and every one of us, that he loves us, that he burns for us, that heart is on fire. You see the flames erupting out of the top of the heart of Jesus. And it's this burning care and concern that God, that Jesus has for each one of us. And it's on the day that we celebrate his love and the image of his heart that this decision was communicated to the world. And I don't imagine that probably the justices picked this day as the one. I imagine it was probably a, a happy coincidence that the Lord smiles, that the day we celebrate his love in the heart is the day that this, this law gets overturned, or really this 49-year-old Supreme Court ruling. And I know in my, my own reaction to it was one of really astonishment. Of course, there was the leak that happened a few weeks back but I've been to the March for Life 10 times, and every time that you go, you're like, well, I guess we'll probably be back here next year, and we'll, you know, we're doing all this work, we're praying, we're marching, we're sacrificing, and, well, we're just keeping going. And that's my own, I guess, cynicism coming out. But it changed. Things actually changed, which so many of you are to thank for this. Think about how many rosaries for a greater respect of life were prayed. How many intercessions at Mass were prayed for a greater respect of life? How many of our young people made the trip to D.C. and had one of those chants? Hey, hey, ho, ho, Roe vs. Wade has got to go. And different things like that. And your own witness, your own prayers made a difference. And so to thank all of you for all of your fasting, for all of your prayers, for all of your generosity to make a day like Friday happen. And as we kind of wrestle with, well, what's next? It's something that we ask the Lord to guide us. What is next? Because the decisions, right, like things aren't just over and that, well, that's a done decision, let's move on. Because the decision gets moved back to the states and there's still all sorts of protests and disagreements happening in our own country, in our own communities probably, and maybe even in our own families. And I think our readings give a bit of guidance, give a bit of insight as to what's next. How do we behave? What's important for us next? In particular, the second reading. 
St. Paul talks about the effects of Christ in our lives. And he says, serve one another through love. And then he quotes Jesus, and he quotes the Old Testament, saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the answer to always, what is it that we ought to do now? The answer in some way, shape, or form is always based on love. Is always based on generosity, on charity, on love. And so the first thing is probably people in our own lives. How do we witness the goodness of life? Well, we treat people as if they're lovable. We treat people as if the sacred heart of Jesus burns for love of them. And so we might get in a conversation with a family member while we're eating a hot dog on the 4th of July, and they disagree vehemently. Or maybe there's somebody at work or, or just somebody we meet in the, in the grocery store that is very diametrically opposed to this gospel of life. How do we treat them? Well, St. Paul says with love. St. Paul says with generosity, with charity, with genuine dialogue of listening, but also standing firm in the truth that their life is valuable, that every human life is valuable, just as Jesus died for us to show us that our lives are worth living. And even as Jesus is hanging there on the cross, he says one of the most beautiful things to those who are killing him, to those that are crucifying him, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. What an attitude to have. An attitude for those that we disagree with, for those that are really perpetuating violence, or those that are, that are not living as Christ calls them to. Father, forgive them for what they do. They know not what they do. To be honest, oftentimes my own reaction is one of the two disciples in the gospel. The two disciples in the gospel, right? Jesus is traveling from Galilee in the north down to Jerusalem. He stops by the Samaritan village. They hear he's going to Jerusalem like, mm, no, you're not welcome here. And his disciples say, let's call down fire upon these people. They're wicked. And that oftentimes is our own attitude towards those that we disagree with or those that we don't like. Let's call down fire and just wipe it out. Maybe that's a bit stark. But the, the, the point is there that Jesus invites, he rebukes him and prays that prayer, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so to have dialogue is maybe the first thing that we do, to be able to genuinely talk with those that disagree with and to pray for them. But then we hear this line still, serve one another through love. Even after this decision, there's still going to be people in need of love. There's going to be moms that find out they're pregnant and they're not excited about it, or they don't know what to do, or they're confused, they're lost, they don't know where to go. And so the help that we can provide mothers, families that have a child that they're not expecting, a child that they may not want to welcome into the world, our efforts are going to have to ramp up quite a bit. Because there are going to be all of, there might be a lot of children, if abortions are not as easy to come by, that are going to need a good home, and they're going to need love, going to need support. And so the work of our crisis pregnancy centers, whether it's the Family Life Center here in Wapakoneta or the Elizabeth New Life Center in Sydney or the one over in St. Mary's or Lima, these pregnancy centers are going to need our help. They're going to need all the support, whether it's the time that we can give to volunteer, whether it's a pack of diapers that we can drop off for them, or whether it's donations, whatever it is, the service that we provide to them is probably going to need to get ramped up. Because there could be a, an influx of people in need of care. And so who could meet the needs other than us that believe in the dignity of every single human life? 
And even maybe the Lord might be calling us to something even more in regards to generosity, even more to help. In the gospel, as one of the people runs up to Jesus, he says, Jesus tells him, foxes have dens, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Think about that in terms of some of these children. Foxes have dens, birds of the air have nests, but some children don't have a place to lay their head. And so maybe some of us will feel this call to foster children, to give a home for children that don't have a home to go in, or maybe to adopt those that don't have a place to go. Because there may be children that need a good home, that need a place to go. And the Lord may be calling some of us to step up and welcome them into our homes, into our lives. So we have to serve, we have to love through dialogue. But even as we look out at the the political landscape, there's so many different and associated pro-life issues that maybe we just kind of keep, keep our eye out for. I read something the other day that an average adoption in our country costs the adopting family somewhere between twenty and $45,000. I'm not an economist, I'm not a lawyer, but that just seems way too high. I, you wonder, are there policies in place that could make it a little easier to adopt a child that needs a good home? Because that's a, that's a lot of money. So what policies can be put in place to support families, to support those that are raising children? Two weeks ago, I was up with my brother in Connecticut, and he and his wife just welcomed their first child into the world. And my brother, and I don't know, it's, it's a recent policy of the state, I don't know how many weeks he got off for paternity leave, but I remember thinking, how are you still at home? And he said, well, we, we get this through our work to be able to stay home and, and help my wife and to help this child get a, get a good start in life. And what a beautiful policy that is. You know, his, his boss is not terribly thrilled about the idea of him being home for another week, but, but yet his family is. And so what sort of policies, what sort of laws can be enacted to support families who are raising children, to make it a little bit easier to welcome children into the world? And at the root of all of this is the goodness of every human life. The sacred heart of Jesus tells us that my life and your life and every life is valuable. Every life is important in God's mind and in God's heart. And so we have to live that throughout our entire lives, whether that simply means joyfully witnessing to the goodness of God and the power of his love in our lives, or maybe that means joyfully showing that every single life is worth living. And it's that that will transform hearts. It was that, it's that love being lived in our lives that will have the ability to transform a culture, to transform a world, to transform our own communities so that life may be valued. And that can be the resolution that all of us make. Jesus, in the gospel today, resolutely determines to travel to Jerusalem. He makes a resolution. Maybe our resolution we make today is to joyfully witness to the goodness of every human life that every human life, including our own, including those that are most vulnerable, and including those that we disagree with, is valuable. May each and every one of us resolve to joyfully witness to the goodness of every human life, every day of our lives.